Our first reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephron departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from the book of Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through which we have received grace and apostleship to bring upon the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. As you're able, please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading is from the book of Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin sh shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the gospel of the Lord. Alone. Alone even in a crowded room. Longing for that feeling as if you actually belong somewhere, as if there would finally be a place where you feel wanted and seen and valued. And maybe this is not necessarily a feeling that you have within yourself tonight, and maybe it's not necessarily something that you articulate at some point or not in your life. But it's fair to assume that most, if not all of us, desire to belong somewhere. Again, to have that place where we're wanted and seen and valued. And the good news that I get to share with you today is as we look at God's word for us from Romans chapter 1, God says there is a place you belong. There is a place where every single one of you 
belong. And it's more than just a place, but it's a people and it's a movement. And so we look at Romans chapter one today and we go back to the beginning. And again, I know we just heard it, but again, it says in Romans one, verse one, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. And then it goes on from there in the next six verses, which by the way, was all one sentence. Did you catch that? It was all one sentence, but the next six verses all go back to describing Jesus. That Jesus is God made flesh. He is the very one who came into this world to show God's presence in the flesh. And that's what we're getting ready to celebrate again, right? Again, Christmas Eve is coming. Again, the day we get to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus come into this world. The day when Mary finally got to hold in her arms the baby that was promised to her. The day when Joseph finally got to see with his own two eyes what the angel had promised to him. The day when others too could see and be in the very presence of God himself. God right there in the flesh. God very literally dwelling with his people. God dwelling with his people. Or maybe as you might want to say, God tabernacling with his people. That's normally how you'd say it, right? No, of course not, right? That's not how we speak, but that would have been more common language for the people in biblical times. I bring this up because when people in that, in that day and in that age, when they would hear the word dwell, they would also hear the word tabernacle because they were essentially synonymous words. And also when then they hear this word tabernacle, it would bring their minds back to the times of the Old Testament, to the history of God and his people. The many other times when God showed that he was with his people, God's always with his people. He always had been. But God told them very clearly that that in that tabernacle, that place of worship, there they could know for a fact that there he was, that he was with them, that he was dwelling with them. And so as Jesus is born on that night and he comes into this world, it is God made flesh, God dwelling with his people, God tabernacling with his people. But the problem is, is, so often, we and others in this world, we're, we're tempted to see Jesus as just a visitor. Someone who just came into this world for a time and then left again. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word visitor, I think of something that is super classy and official like this, right? But a visitor center on the side of a road. You're driving down the road and there's a sign that says visitor center a few miles up ahead. You figure it's a long trip, so take a break, Right? You get to the visitor center and there might be a nice employee working there, very polite and kind. But then there's all the pamphlets, bright and colorful, trying to catch your attention. And maybe there's a display, maybe even it's an interactive display. Or maybe even there's a path behind the visitor center so you can explore a little bit of that area. But but eventually you're going to get back in your car and you're going to keep on going. That as interesting or maybe entertaining as it is for a moment, a visitor center is only temporary. You're going to be there for a while and then you're going to leave again. And so it's a similar way. It's tempting to see Jesus as just a visitor. Someone who just came into this world and then left again. And when I say this, I want to be careful because I also am not trying to heap burden on you or on anyone else in this world because in part, it's tempting to see him as such because we're human. We're human. In our human nature, it is difficult for us to comprehend the divine. It is difficult for us, actually, quite frankly, it's impossible for us to fully comprehend the eternal. And also in our human nature, we also look and see the experience that's around us. And when I say this, please, I say this not in any crass way, 
But for us, we see that there's a beginning and an end to our lives on this earth. And so at times we apply that to Jesus as well, thinking that his life was only a few years, only so many decades long, and it was only just about the time while he was here. And so sometimes we're tempted to see him as just this visitor. And now hear me very carefully when I say this, and that in part, his time was limited on this earth. The time in which he walked and he talked and he ate and he stayed and he did things on this earth in the human form, in the human flesh, that was limited. His time was limited in which he walked and talked and lived in the human form on this earth. But he's so much more than just a visitor because he's God. He's Jesus who has always existed since before he came into the flesh. Jesus is part of the triune God. He is the second person. He is one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And because he is one with the Father and the Holy Spirit, that means he shares all the same attributes, all the same characteristics. And of all of those, certainly we want to highlight the fact that he's eternal, that he is eternal, just like the Father and the Son, meaning always existing. And so in part, we we know this because we turn to places like John chapter 1. And it's a fairly familiar verse, so if you know it, say it along with me. You can cut me off and join in with me at any point, okay? John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. For some of us, a familiar passage for many different reasons, but in part, one of them is we go to it and we're told again. Jesus is the Word. The Word that has always been since the ever very beginning. Jesus has always existed. But then as we turn to Romans chapter 1 today, we also see that Jesus in the human flesh and the plan that he had for a while he lived on this earth, it was very much part of the plan. It says in verse 2, he was promised beforehand through the prophets. Beforehand, directing us our attention to the fact that it was planned. This wasn't some just last ditch effort. This wasn't just some attempt to do something. This was planned. And it was planned beforehand, and it was promised. Promised meaning it was something that God was active in, intentional about, and was guaranteed. And a planned promise that was shared through the prophets, meaning it was repeated over and over and over again for the people to hear. Because Jesus is part of a greater story that existed which we see also as we go on to verse 3. He descended from, the line, or descended from David according to the flesh. Descended from David could also be said a different way in that he comes from the line and the lineage of David. How many of you have ever studied your lineage, your ancestry, your family tree, right? Okay, there's all these tools today like ancestry.com and all these other things, right? All these ways to study your family history and admittedly, I haven't done it much, but it can be fun, It can be fun, at least from what I heard and the little bit I've done, it can be fun because you get to learn about the people. You get to learn about who they were and what they did and maybe even where they lived. But studying lineages or ancestries are are more than just fun. They also help us to see that we're part of a story, a story that's far greater than us. And when we study a lineage, we often start with ourselves and then we work backwards, the generations. That's just how it works. But sometimes that way can, and on accident, then make us think it's all about us. But really, it's about a much bigger story. And so in part, the same thing we see here with Jesus. 
that Jesus coming from the line and lineage of David that from generations before has come before him, part of the story, the story that's always been in place and that he is very much a part of. But then the story that would continue on even after he was no longer on this earth in the flesh. Because Jesus would continue to be with his people even when he ascended into heaven. We go to another familiar verse for many of us. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus ascended into heaven. He left this earth in the physical human form as he had walked and talked and been with the people. And as he ascended, he said, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's always with his people. And so Jesus is so much more than just a visitor, so much more than just here for a time and then gone again, but he always was and is and will be. And especially those, we look at this and we see in Romans chapter one, Jesus also though, he comes more than just to bring his presence, but to bring a movement. Jesus comes into this world more than just to bring his presence, but to bring a movement. And so we go back to verse one of our reading today. Again, we talked about the Jesus part. As it says, it describes Christ Jesus. We go to the very first word and look at Paul. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Now, maybe some of us, many of us have heard of him, but a refresher and, and share with those who haven't had the opportunity to hear before. Paul was a persecutor of the church. He had violently opposed the Christian movement. He had people arrested and even put to death because of their faith. And he himself admits, as he writes in the letter to Timothy, as recorded later on in scripture, formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. Paul admits it. He's a sinner. On his own, unworthy to approach God. On his own, unrighteous. And, deserve, un, and undeserving of all that God has to offer. And yet, Paul was called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. That God called him, meaning it was God's work, something that purely came from God. It was all done by God's grace, his undeserved love had nothing to do with Paul, who he is or what he had done. Because if it were by those standards, he wouldn't have had any of it. But it was all dependent on God and who he is and what he had for Paul. And he had grace for him. And by God's grace, he set him apart for the gospel of God. He set him apart for a purpose. That purpose specifically for Paul is also to be an apostle. An apostle is very literally translated as a sent one. That Paul is set apart for the purpose to be sent into the world to share with others the gospel of God. The grace and peace that he himself had first received. And that's what he goes on to do as this letter begins. And we heard again in verse seven, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That he writes this letter to the Romans, a, a people that he actually didn't know. He had never been there before. He had never physically visited this people. He hadn't met them. Now, certainly he knew about them. He had heard about them, but he didn't really know them. And they were also a people that were people just like him. And so because of his life experience and also because of his theological uh, knowledge and how astute he was in theology, he knew that they were sinners too. That they too on their own were undeserving, unworthy of what God had to offer. 
And yet the first thing that he says in his letter to them is know that you are loved by God. He starts off by letting them know that they are loved by God. That they too are called by God to be set apart for a purpose, to be set apart for a place in which they get to belong. Has nothing about, to do with about who they are or what they're capable of. But purely because of the grace of God. And he says that they get to be a part of this. Back up to verse 6. That they are included to belong to Jesus Christ. And so again, they have this place where they belong. Where they're wanted and seen and valued. But it's not just a place. It's a movement. And so they get to be a belong to Christ Jesus and the grace and peace that he has. But they get to belong and go on and share with others. And that's where also we get to ourselves today. That because that this is God's word for us too, first to the Romans, but also to us today. That just like the Romans and just like Paul, we're sinners. Now, maybe not in the same way, okay? I'm not calling you violent oppressors, okay? That's not what I'm saying, right? But we have sin, There are times when we have lived more for our wants, our desires, what we think we need, and instead of what God would have for us. And yet God says to you, you're loved. He has grace and peace for you because that's who he is and that's what he does. And so you and I too have a place to belong to Jesus Christ. And so now I want to return to that metaphor that I used earlier in talking about a visitor. A visitor is often, as I said, someone who is here and then gone again. And I want to think about the opposite. I think when I think of the opposite of visitor, I think of more of a guest. Okay, and you could fill in with others, but it's a metaphor, okay? So it's going to break down at some point. I think of a guest. And when, we, when I was younger and we had guests come over to our home, my mother always made sure that we did the best we could for them. We'd make sure the house was tidied and made nice for them. We would make sure we put out the best decorations, the best table settings. She'd prepare the best food that she knew how to prepare. And we'd welcome them in. As the saying goes, it's on the next one, mi casa es su casa. Inviting them into our space to share what we had, to share our space, maybe even bring some of their own personal effects because who knows how long they stayed sometimes. And of course, again, every metaphor breaks down. Sometimes guests do outwear their welcome, all right? But for this purpose, think more about the mindset that that's behind that person who's welcoming guests in. They want them to be there. They want to get connected, to, to get to know those people, to enjoy time together, to encourage one another, to support one another. And that's what we get to do for others in our community. The others that you will get to join together in your, your gatherings for your Christmas parties or your Christmas gatherings or in your workplaces or in your schools or wherever you go, that we get to do this with others. We get to have this attitude, this attitude that they are guests. They are people that we want to share our time with and our space with so we can simply get connected with them, build relationships with them. Ultimately, so, ultimately so that we can show them that they too, they have a place where they belong because they are wanted by Christ as well. And so very soon, we're going to get to celebrate Christmas again. It's coming. It's going to happen, okay? Christmas is coming. Again, we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But he's so much more than a visitor. He is God who always was and is and will be. The God who gives you a place to belong. A people and a movement. And that's a beautiful truth that we get to share with others.
Amen. And so now may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.